welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I am joined by Paul Roseby, OBE, CEO and Artistic Director of the National Youth Theatre and Broadcaster. Hello. Hello, Sam. How lovely. Welcome to the Divorce Club. It's fantastic. Do you like my title? It lasted longer than my marriage. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. no, you have quite a long marriage. Actually, I, I think I might be one of your longest. Yeah. I'm probably one of your oldest as a result. And actually, as a result of a long marriage, I certainly look the oldest. Um, I, yeah, I was mad. You look wonderful. Oh, you say all the right things. Thank you. It's the lighting. And uh, I, uh, I think, actually, do you know what? I'm already a fraud. I'm actually not officially divorced, divorced. You know that paperwork that just hangs on and hangs on somewhere in a cupboard somewhere? It's yet to be signed. I don't know whose fault it is. I blame everybody else by me, of course. So um, it's somebody else's fault. But I'm not quite officially divorced, which means, to answer your question directly, uh, ooh, 18 years almost. We met, we met 17, 18 years ago. So, so um, yeah, no. So I was married for a long time. 16, half my adult life, actually, 16 years, half my adult Wow. Life. Well, I'm very glad to have you on because, yeah, I think you're one of our longest running marriages, which is nice. Mine only lasted for like two years. So it's going to be nice to hear the other side of things. I didn't even know you were married until you got divorced. I mean, what happened there? <laughs> I think that's... I, so, <laughs> I just, did you I, get married to get divorced? Yeah, I just like to achieve things quickly. I've always been a, a Last mover. So I was like, we need to get these milestones out of the way. Brilliant. I mean, literally, you didn't even have to change the sheets. It was that quick. Well, I only changed my name on my Tesco club card. So that was very straightforward, just because that's the only thing I had to change back. Did either of you change your name or did you keep your own surnames? No, no. 
no, I, I retained Roseby and and he still uh, remained <laughs> a C-U-N-T. No, that's no, no. Um, and it felt like uh, that was the right thing to do. Um, a friends of mine, uh, gay friends of mine who got married, because this is the thing really about gay couples getting divorced. It's relatively new in the gay world because we weren't allowed to get married until 2000 or, or civil partner until about 2006. And if I remember going on the first day, it was the day that Elton, John and David Furnish got married. And I was not at that wedding. But, I, but, <laughs> but I, you were next. But I, I was at, but I was at the, the wedding in the afternoon, which was the B-list version of the A-list. And it was this couple called uh, uh, Gary and Phil. And I worked with Gary as a chippy in one of those dreadful makeover shows I used to present. And, uh, and so they had this brilliant, brilliant wedding. It was so unbelievably okay driven at the Grosvenor Hotel. And uh, and it was this was the first ever civil partner wedding uh, before David and uh, and Elton and they, they decided to have bridesmaids dressed as brides. Melinda Messenger, uh, there was Katie Price amongst others, uh, and all the grooms, all the groomsmen. There was one of these brilliant sort of puffball meringue type dresses, and all the groomsmen were naked from the waist up, bar nipple clamps and angel wings. So the nipple clamps were attached to the angel wings, which were twice the width of the gangway they had to walk down. Now, you and I know about rehearsing. We come from theatrical stock in that way of how we started. And they did not rehearse this. So you've got this very awkward, double-breasted, massive angel wings with big puffball dresses, Jordan and everybody. Uh, it was chaos down the aisle already. And all of us just simultaneously laughed and not the great start to a tasteful beginning to the wonderful world of equality where men can get married to each other and women can get married to each other. So, uh, so it was that I should have known then that it would have been a disaster for myself and my partner. We were actually there. We were going out with each other. We did make our excuses and leave early. I think it was because OK didn't want to take pictures of us. So I was furious. So we, <laughs> we actually said, we've got to go because we're off to Elton and David. So, um, so anyway, that was uh, how not to get married, I think. Well, I, I think I'm going to take a lot of that on board for my, uh, if I have a second wedding. I like the idea of nipple clamps attached to wings. Well, you're very welcome in the divorce club, even though you're not officially divorced, because I wasn't divorced for the first, officially, for the first three seasons of this podcast either, because I'd got my decree nice eye, and then I thought, oh, it'll all be over in a minute. So I started the podcast, and three seasons later, I've only just officially been divorced that is well congratulations how does it Thank feel you. how do you feel about it genuinely do you feel relieved I feel yeah it it's I've always used that phrase generally in my other life oh it's like a weight off my shoulders you know when something gets sorted and I don't think I've ever truly meant it until I got my divorce paperwork because it really was like I didn't realise how much it was weighing down on me because it is only a piece of paper and we've separated like two and a half years ago. And, you know, I'm in the house, I'm living in the house now and I've changed it and made it all my own um, and taken it over. So it's, but yeah, it was, I had a laugh cry. Did you? When I received it. Because you get it as an email attachment. Do you? Did you? Yeah. This what? is how, it so you're solicitor. 
in your trash box. You might know. You might. I mean, it might have been there for months. That's why it's taken so long. It was actually in your delete box. No, because your solicitor sends it to you. But yeah, they send it as an email attachment. And also because it's all official, they say please see attached in regards to your divorce proceeding. So they don't even say. I, I've I've said in um, I think it was my roundup episode for series three. I wanted there to be like confetti, you know, in the email, like popping up in it to say congratulations. But it was just all very <laughs> formal. Um, so then I got dressed up and had a photo shoot in my own house because it's locked down. Yeah. <gasps> Did you? <laughs> Did you? Good for you. Yeah. I, I think I think that's the thing. I think when it comes through, I think I might just have my own civil partnership ceremony where I just marry myself. I think I might do some um you know some of that loving stuff it's it is I think it does hang over you I think that's really very astute of you I didn't recognize it until you're saying it now uh because you know separation you leave your marital home whatever it's called depending which lawyer you speak to uh, and god knows I've spoken to a few uh so you know you just you just don't know you don't know how you're meant to behave you don't know how you're meant to feel very as you said before uh, there's there's no handbook to this. There is no right way or wrong way. We don't know. We're not equipped. And as a gay guy, I mean, we weren't equipped to get married, let alone get divorced. I mean, you end up in a way mimicking uh, your parents in marriage. We both did, I think, because because there are no other role models. You know, we weren't brought up by gay by gay parents who were married. So you sort of facilitate that heteronormal way. And in doing so, you become your parents. I mean, all of it was just mucking our way through and feeling our way through. And, and I just wish there was a way of sort of studying divorce uh, as much as there is about obsessing around marriage or the wedding bit, you know? We need as much emphasis on divorce and studying that as we do about, oh, who are you going to invite? And what are you going to wear? And what are you going to eat? And where are you going to do it? Well, it doesn't need to be a big thing, but it should be a big thing. Did you do that? Oh, we did that. You know, and you don't have the equivalent of the divorce, but I think we should, which is what's great about this. I love it. This is therapy for me. This is brilliant. <laughs> well, that's, this is exactly why I started the podcast because I was like, no one talks about divorce and I'm getting divorced and I just want to talk to some other people and see what they did. Um, yeah, because there's, there's still a stigma about it, I think. I don't know whether you feel, I, I don't know whether it's a generational thing. I mean, I, I feel I couldn't, I feel it's a failure. You know, I felt, uh, I mean, rejection's one thing. And in the business we inhabit, we're used to rejection. But from your husband, when you're really just used to calling him husband, uh, and, you, and then you're rejected, and then you, you have to admit that you're divorced, it just, it just sticks. You know, it doesn't really, it, you can't, it's not something you can be proud of. Uh, it's about what you're not, not what you are. It's about taking away, not adding it, culturally in this country. So it's really tough. It's an odd one. It's a bit of a mindfuck, actually. Can I say mindfuck? Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. you can. A mindfuck. Um, you can say all the swear words if you like. Woo! We've got a um, come. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, we're talking about divorce. I feel, I feel like it needs to be an explicit content podcast. Um, I think that's really interesting what you said there because it is about taking something away. And I've no one's ever said it like that before, but I totally agree and, and understand that because people look at you like you've lost something, even if the divorce for you, you know, the divorce for me has been incredibly tough, but also incredibly rewarding and exciting and freeing, but people don't view it that way. And I, I'm interested to know, because you mentioned as a gay man, you didn't have, you know, role models of gay married couples. 
do you think you're treated differently as a gay man who is divorced? Oh, yes. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, I, you know, I, oh God, where do you start on that one? Good question. Uh, some people don't take it seriously because you're only a gay man. So it's not the same, is it? It's not the same if you're divorced, if you're gay, because you're only gay anyway. So you're already a subclass, a subservient of some kind of institution that is predominantly a heterosexual right, not a gay right. Uh, and then we all fought long and hard for the gay rights to be equal, which of course means you can equally be divorced. But interestingly, interestingly, it comes into assets. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, one of the hardest things I found about divorce is that you have to prove your value and your worth at a point when you can't even get up in the morning or off the floor is that you have been beaten into submission by rejection and shock and horror for me. And then you have to fight. And then you have to fight for your worth. Now, as, as us, as artists, as gay people, whatever, you know, you feel you have to fight and justify your breath more times than you realise in your adult life. And then you've got to do it again with the person that you loved and love and respect. It is shocking. It is beyond filth. It is absolutely unbelievable. It is the biggest challenge I've, I've certainly ever faced. I mean, you know, I'm 54. You don't. <laughs> and I know, I don't look it. Thanks, Sam. Uh, and uh, I'm, 50, I'm 54. And, uh, and for, you know, I cried more in two years than I had in the 52 years before. There wasn't a single day where I didn't uncontrollably lose the plot. And then and then all everything is everything conspires against you because you feel like, well, am I equal? Am I allowed to do this, actually? And the law says that you are. The law is there to protect gay marriage, same-sex marriages. It is there. But it is also not. There is also a sub, a subclass, a sub-choice where. Yeah, but really, no. Nah. And I and I, I remember I went to the I went to the the lawyer. Uh, I was recommended to go to a lawyer by um, my husband, and who got some advice from his lawyer, who initially is his twin brother, who's a quite a well-known divorce barrister. Note to self: You're going to get married. Make sure there's no divorce barrister in the yeah, family. And, uh, uh, and so, uh, quite a successful one as well. So, so I so. I thought, okay, I was presented with a, a shocking um, kind of badly written email uh, around basically my value. And, and it said, you know, obviously you must seek some advice. Uh, so I did. And I went to three, rule of three, always go for three, apparently. And two out of the three said, how much have you got? how much it's so brutal it's so bloody brutal because i just didn't want to talk any of that i just wanted to sit down and talk i didn't want to talk about money or anything like that and uh, and they said how much have you got have you got any savings I said, well, no, not really i've spent it i just had a lovely life i'm so i didn't know it's gonna happen i felt like an absolute twat and uh and said well how much have you got and i told them they said well that's going to be your battle pot you'll use that up just for fighting so i put on the armor ready for this battle. And I realized that the armor didn't fit. And I thought, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna play into the language and the business of lawyers. You know, if I have to do that, it's gonna kill me. I'd still be doing it now. We'd still be in some battle. Uh, and the only people that win are lawyers in this situation. So, so I sort of just, I just in a sort of semi-comatose state, just went along with the whole process and felt 
it felt better. It felt like I was making peace with myself in a situation and I didn't fight for what I could have done. But I fought for my dignity and my self-respect, which is worth so much more than anything else. You go back to who you were before you were married. You go, wait a minute, hang on, this doesn't define me. I had a brilliant marriage. I was happiest, I thought. The, the eight gays, smug, smug, couple of smugs and a four-wheel drive. <laughs> absolute naffers shit. But, absolute, you know, it was great. But, but, I, but, I, but actually you go, no, 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 no. I had a complete life and career before this. So you have to kind of realise who you were uh, and, and kind of make love to that person. You've got to date your past. Date your past and somehow slice out your marriage as just a piece of another bit of cake that maybe gave you a bit of indigestion, <laughs> you know, that you won't try again. And I, and I think that's how, that's how I got through it. So, but did I feel equal? No. Uh, did I feel wronged? Yes. Uh, am I angry? Slightly. Uh, am I happy? Sometimes. You know, so I, I just think, oh, you know what? It, it's, it's, you make your choices and uh, respect yourself more than anything else and you'll make the right choice, whatever. Yeah, it's such a hard one, I think. I can totally relate in that, you know, my breakup started amicably. So we both sat, so he would brought up the conversation before, then I went away, sort of thought about it and thought, oh, I'm going to, so this was when, <laughs> I always say this, it sounds ridiculous, but I was flown to Vegas to watch Magic Mike Live and then I was working with Channing Tatum in LA on the script. Of course you were. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that was at the time when I was t considering whether my marriage should end or continue. Um, so in the back of my mind, it was sort of working away, but I thought, no, we're going to work through it. And it wasn't until I got home, saw him face to face, I just knew it was over. So we actually had this lovely conversation where we just spoke to each other and, you know, both decided the same thing. So I was very, and I think if you listen back to series one of the podcast, I'm very like, everything's lovely. We're going to be best friends. And everyone I interviewed was like, okay, sure. Um, I'll talk to you in a year or so. We'll see. Um, and, and I think the hardest thing that I found was that financial stage. Because to begin with, I was, you know, even though I half made the decision, I felt really upset that I was losing this marriage and that it was a failure, you know, like we're told. And and I was going through all of that. And then when it got to the finances, I was like, oh, I just want everything to be fair and I don't mind. And then all of a sudden I found that I had to like stick up for myself. Otherwise I wouldn't be left with anything. So you did go down that legal route to the to the end point about where the judge will decide what the decision is within your within your financial agreement. So you did you did you talk about it personally with each other first and come to a conclusion or was it all through lawyers? So it was we talked about it a bit personally and then it was a bit through the solicitors back and forth until we came up with that agreement and then the judge sort of goes all right yeah that's fine. Um but that back and forth was really hard, you know, and you find out that there's a pot of money that you didn't know about and things like that. And it just, I feel like that was the worst stage for me, but it also made me sit up and go, right, yeah. you're looking after you now. You're not looking after you as a unit anymore. And even though I didn't want to fight for like, you know, because lawyers and solicitors say things like, oh, well, you can get half of their pension. And, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, I don't want any of that. I just want what is mine you know I had an inheritance from my dad basically in yeah. the house and yeah. I didn't want to yeah. lose that and and I think it was one of the hardest things to stand up for myself 
but I am also glad I did it. I mean, in moments, I'm like, I could have got more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there are those big moments. And do they do they sometimes fill an entire day, those moments when you're, you're paying your bills and you go, I could have got more, I should have got more. Uh, you know, it's like... Yeah, especially when my tax bill just came up and I was like, if I had to fall a little bit harder, <laughs> I'd have a bigger part to be playing with. It's very true. And unfortunately, it's the ugly side of the separation of the divorce is it comes down to whose CD is this? It's like your first breakup with your best mate or your flatmate. That's my CD. And it doesn't matter if it's got scratches on it. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work or not. It doesn't matter if you don't like the music. That's mine. I'm having it. I brought it in. I'm taking it out. And, you know, that's what I did with the furniture in the house. I took the, I took more or less everything I could or put into a van or two or three uh, because, because I just felt but that's what the, we agreed. We decided to agree. We agreed without lawyers, much to my lawyers, uh, not disgust, just disappointment in the fact that I think they thought that I was certainly, I could have got a lot more and said, are you sure? And then they said, well, as long as you're happy with it. And I, again, you're not happy about any of it. So you can't bring in the emotion happy to say that's how you judge your decision. You're not happy, full stop. You know, in a way, you should probably wait for 10 years before you make the financial decision if you could, because you're just in this sort of, this washing machine and, and you're not, you're, you don't come out clean. You come out like an odd sock, a missing odd sock, you know, and you go, I don't, I do, did I make the right, what was that fog all about? I, no, I anyway, so the lawyers are there for a good reason. And they're very, very decent people, really. <laughs> Even my ex-brother-in-law, I say, is a very decent person. So, you know, so, uh, so I, just, I just think you, you, there's a sense of, you can't live with the regret. That's the issue. And, uh, and otherwise it eats you up. Uh, and you just can't let it happen. So you, you think, you know, well, okay, um, we'll make it work. And and I was I was ready to wind down, and now I'm ready to wind up uh, because I have to I have to work harder and I have to do more. I have to be more ambitious again. And I was living in a very comfortable life. I had a really brilliant time because also you in a way you don't age the same way in a marriage you don't having been you know the long marathon of marriage you don't count the years so much as you do when you're on your own you're not so because you're aging together so you're sharing that whatever the age difference is you are still aging together and that's what's great about marriage it's brilliant you know so things start to slip or change or shift or get bigger or smaller whatever they shrink they enlarge whatever but you know they are there it's happening together you share the biology love it or loathe it uh lick it or mop it you absolutely share the biology together that's the journey you're on you're aging all the time so i sort of started as a you know mid to late thirties guy, quite sprightly up for it, full head of hair, la la la, still got a telly career, started the National Youth Theatre, feeling pretty okay, life's fabulous, married this really hot guy, fabulous, and then I've just been through the entire series of Doctor Who, Time Warp, I come out the other end, 16, 70 years later, and, and I've got a white beard, and, uh, and I don't recognise myself. I go, I've just become somebody's blimmin' daddy. And suddenly, you know, you're, you're called a daddy in the gay world. Suddenly, I'm like, wait, what happened there? I didn't want kids. I barely wanted a dog. I am now everybody's daddy. And, you, and then you have to sell yourself in a world that has changed completely because... Because after a long marriage, I wasn't, I was faithful. We were both faithful. 
Uh, yeah, and so it, it, so it wasn't about another person. Uh, and so it, suddenly I have to promote myself on gay dating apps and sex apps. And it's like, it's, I've had to, I had to sell my career and who I was all the time, but I never had to sell myself sexually. Alcohol did that really well before. <laughs> you know, alcohol was the absolute great salesperson for sex. You didn't need dating apps. You just needed a large drink or 10. And that was it. And you often ended up living with these people, right? Uh, so, so, and now it's, and now it's dating apps. And, and I find that really, Oh, the language! Everything shocked me so much. So I, so I, you know, I, when I, when he dumped me, um, I uh, I grew a beard and I started planking, and uh, and I got my waist back. I mean, is planking just like doing the plank? That's not a term, a sexual term that I'm not aware of. Okay, yeah. it's not. It's not <laughs> a youth. It's not. A, it probably is. It probably is. Actually, uh, I'm still on the letter B uh, with the new terminology of. Gay dating it's absolutely horrendous uh other than the fact that i know i'm a daddy which is the most insulting objectifying thing that somebody's ever <laughs> blimmin well said to me do you have have you written daddy on your no, profile no i haven't i just happen <laughs> to have a beard that's slightly white and you know i look like an out-of-date santa uh it's absolutely <laughs> absolutely shocking. No, it's a very like, stylish bit it's no, not a santa I, I just, bit Thank you, thank you. More Clooney than Santa. Yeah. Thank you. But I, I, but I just, I have to say, I find it really shocking now. Hello, sexy daddy. I'm not your daddy. Sod <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, thank you for the sexy bit, not for the daddy bit. It's, uh, it's a real thing, you know. It's a real thing in the in the gay world of dating apps that there are a lot of young guys that really go for daddies, and. And you're supposed to take that as a compliment. I think it's an absolute insight. I also think, guys, go out with people your own age. It's like, don't come near. I can't. This is this is shocking. And there's a culture that really is about, I need a daddy in my life. I, 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 I'm really shocked. I'm such a I'm such a prude. <laughs> I just what? So then I have to learn all this terminology. Then I have to get fit. Then I have to literally take dick pics of my own dick. You know, like I literally, because everybody then just, you know, hello, daddy, show us your dick. Okay, that's a really good chat up line. Um, that's really sexy. Straight in. I remember talking to a gay friend of mine who'd, who'd recently split up when I'd recently split up from my ex. And we were both on dating apps. And I remember him telling me, you know, how different the world of gay dating apps was to heterosexual dating apps. Um, I mean, I, I date men and women, but, you know, um, and I remember him being like, I have to get fit now. Like, that's the thing. I just have to do it. Otherwise, I won't meet anyone on gay dating apps. Yeah. And it, I was like, oh, God, I'm like the opposite. I've just been overeating. So I just post a cleavage photo this far. <laughs> <laughs> but, but actually, it's what, well, you look bloody great. I tell you, it's, uh, it, it, you really do. You look very sexy and very well. So I, I think, I mean, actually, that's the beauty of dating sites as well is that whatever your preference and whatever your size or shape or whether there is definitely a niche for you and uh i and i you know i i find i find it exhausting having to invest a friend of mine said he said you go on dating apps so you have to do it every day you have to do it religiously if you want to do this you have to really work it. Now, I went to the chiropractor, not because I did my back in, but because I did my thumb in. Because through through sexting, this manic-like response, I'm quite witty, but I can't quite type as fast as I can speak, so how am I going to do this? And I, I literally, literally had this RSI injury all the way up my arm to my back, and it took weeks of therapy to get rid of the pain. 
because I was in this tense state of, I will be happy again. I will find somebody. This is, I'm really good at this. I can do this. I can sell myself. And look at me. Look how fit my stomach is now. You know, sort of like. And it's so you just this, had a sexting injury. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I'm proud of that. Um, <laughs> and I did join Guardian Soulmates and it went bust. That was my first oh, wow. app. Thank you very much, Guardian. I know. So, you know, it was, it was, uh, and that was around before, before I got married, obviously. But these other apps really weren't. And it's. I don't know about you. I don't know whether you feel you're meeting the people that you should meet that are part of your tribe or that you fancy no. you feel connected. I talk a lot about the on the podcast about my sexual explosion, which happened um, after the separation. And, you know, I was performing in Magic Mike with 15 semi-naked professional dancers uh, every yes. night. Yes. And I was like talking about sex and like being empowered to ask for what you want, like on stage. And at the same time, I just got divorced and I was just so excited when people found me attractive and sexy. And I was very impulsive. And I was like, I fancy that person. If they fancied me too, and everyone was consensual, I'd just have sex with them. You know, it was just like, and it was actually, it was wonderful. I've definitely calmed down now. Yeah. But have so you, I think have for you that. you calmed down now? Are you just well, saying yeah. that in front of me? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I have. I mean, yeah. unfortunately, I wish I hadn't because I had a great time. But um, so I think in that phase, dating apps were great because I used to describe them as a little black book of people you haven't had sex with yet. So it's, you don't have to go back to the past of people. You could just find someone new. And so I did find people I was attracted to and, you know, we had a lot of fun, but now I'm sort of more looking for someone I can have a conversation with after the sex. Um, I find that quite difficult on dating apps because yeah, I feel, I feel like people I really connect with in the chats, I then meet with them and we don't connect in person and vice versa. And so it's kind of impossible to tell. It's because it's unreal. You don't, you just, I mean, we have the same situation. I might be interviewing somebody on Zoom and go, great. And then you meet them in the flesh, you give them the job and then you go, not great. You have to meet people in the fact, no matter what is going on with lockdown, everybody's feeling quite secure in one way and enjoying some of the remoteness and the digitalness. And of course, we're all hating the fact that we're not interactive and as, as, as tactile as we all deserve to be. But, you know, the, it, you, in reality, you have to meet. I think you've got to get it over with as soon as possible. Don't make this dating lark a thing of just sexting and everything else and swapping pictures and things. It's unreal. It's really, we've moved on from Jane Austen as, you know, it's not about writing to each other. It's about meeting each other. It's about touching each other. That's how you learn is through touch. Uh, and I think, and I miss that I really miss that physicality uh, when I when I was you know when I was <laughs> unceremoniously <laughs> I had to leave our marital bed and I was still living in the house for over a year and um, and I sort of moved upstairs and I was sort of negotiating my way around what was my bedroom uh, and I was being replaced by sort of softer lighting and pictures of us were being faced down on, on bookshelves and, and stuff and I was being ceremoniously slowly killed that our relationship was was being squeezed out but I was still in the relationship and still in the house and uh and I was being replaced by crystals you know like <clears throat> so pictures would be removed and crystals would be put in their place 
And I thought, God, am I that bad a person? Am I that much of an evil queen? You know, he's gone upstairs. I'm going to put the crystals out. You know, it's like, this is it. I'm like, oh, my God. So he was living in the bedroom. So he was so... And you we, were, we, we sort of separated within our sex life. Obviously, that stopped. Uh, it stopped dramatically, as in we stopped sleeping together once he said uh, it's over. I believed him. I believed him. Uh, I wasn't going to question it, but weirdly, even though it was a hell of a shock. I still thought, yeah, yeah, sort of thing you do. Yeah, that's right. That's it, isn't it? He also said that he, he um, interesting, and I wasn't done because of another person or because I thought we were particularly unhappy. There were stress points, as there are in any marriage, through work and choices and life and other things going on. Um, but um, he said that the intimacy and joy that we once had, he now has with the Druids, because he was a Druid. He became a Druid five years before and was very keen on spirituality and other worlds and other places, other planes, uh, in pursuit of light and truth which said to me that I'm not light and I'm not truth. I'm darkness of lies and I'm banished upstairs. Uh, And um, so I accepted it straight away because I thought I can't argue that. I can't argue it, but I have to live. I wanted to still be there because we both decided that weirdly we kind of got on (laughs) still. And uh, well, I go into that default thing in crisis. I don't know about you, but I make light of everything and I'm quite good in a crisis. Okay, make decisions. Okay, I'll just go upstairs. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, we'll get over it. Yeah, okay. No, great. That's what you want. (laughs) But fine. Look at me. I'm absolutely fine. Absolutely great. It felt better. Really good, actually. Uh, So, you know, no cracks on me. And that was it. And and actually we had quite a good few, few weeks, months. Um, just skirting around the major issue and making each other laugh. But at the same time, I could see my world slip away and his world take over physically. Uh, and and I, so I, I, and physically, I missed that intimacy. I was, I, I'd been sharing a bed with somebody for 17, 18 years. And everybody goes, oh, it must have been great. You must have to stretch out and whatever. I still now sleep on the left side of the bed. I still now kind of, Oh, no, it's not. It's on the right side of the bed. Oh, whatever. A different side. No, I still sit there. What am I talking about? Depends which way you're looking. Uh, depends which way you're lying. But anyway, so I, I, I literally, I, I kind of don't, I haven't inhabited the middle part of the bed. I'm going, way, I can stretch out. I still think there's somebody next to me. I still operate like that. That's so, I still do that too. Do I you? still sleep on my side of the bed. I, I bought a new bed because I'm still in the house. So I bought a new bed and, you know, decorated and changed the space up. And I have I took down the photos of our wedding, but I left up the photos from the wedding of just me because I look really nice in them. You get quite right, Janet. Um, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> But yeah, I still sleep on my side of the bed. Weirdly, my cat sleeps on the pillow next to me. So my cat has become my husband. But um, I think for me that that was one of the hardest things and still is being in the bed on your own without just intimacy wise. Because I feel like you can, you know, you can find sex if that's what you need. But just having someone lying next to you and like breathing next to you sounds really sad. But that like. No, I know. What are we like? I know. And, and the cat no. doesn't do it for you. That, that's what I you're like saying. It. No, I, I, I refuse. Good, I would, it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's better than nothing. It's, <laughs> it's furry and it, it's furry and it breathes and it's quite nice to touch, but at the same time, yeah. it doesn't make breakfast for you and it doesn't actually stimulate you in other ways. But we're, this is very, I mean, this is this is bizarre, but the first, you said, let's go for it. The, the first 
I love it. The first penis I touched. Sorry. Other than my own and my other than my own and my husband's was my dad's. And I say to try, not in a sexual way, obviously, but at the same time, it's done by true. Uh, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And, uh, and so I, he dumped me. And mum had just died. And dad was dying slowly. Uh, and so I would go up and drive up to uh, this nursing home that he was in. 
uh, sort of very compass mentors, but he was frail. And if you've ever had ailing relatives, parents, partners, whatever, you know, invariably you see everything and touch everything. And at one point I found myself in this toilet with dad. And for some reason I sort of, I was holding his penis so he could go to the toilet. So I was still standing up and I was holding him up. He was very weak. And, and he looked at me. I want to say, don't look at me. Just look at the bloody pan, dad, keep it in. But then I was in control of it. So he could look anywhere. And I, and like, he said, has it come to this, Paul? Has it come to this? I said, Dad, yes, I'm afraid it has. I wanted to say, I haven't touched cock uh, since this. is the first time since my husband. So I didn't, obviously. Uh, or did I? No, uh, I didn't. Um, but it was, a, it was a bizarre, cold moment where I thought, it really, it really echoed the loss in so many ways. I'm losing my parents. I've lost my husband. I lost a couple of friends along the way as well. And you, and you go, this is bleak and it's graphic, you know. And uh, also, Dad, at the age of 90-odd, had a bigger one than me. And I was also going, what happened there? <laughs> Jesus, it's bad enough to be dumped by a druid. Now I find out that my dad, you know, 45 years older than me, has a bigger cock. Can this world get any worse? So, so, <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it grows so, over time. Well, I hope, like yeah. earlobes. I'm hoping that you sort of, like, exactly, Nose they get hair, bigger and bigger. Earlobes, penis. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hang on to that. Uh, anyway, further down the line, I did start to have sex thanks to dating apps. And... Um, uh, and it was very weird. I don't know about you, but did you play the comparison game the first time? Did you note, notice, did, could, you, could you get your ex out of your mind and out of your bed, metaphorically? Yeah, I think I, could, I, I, think I was weird. I was very worried that I was going to cry during the first sexual encounter. And when I didn't, I was just so thrilled. Um, and actually, I found that my head was very taken up with what was going on. So it was lovely. So I didn't, I mean, more, I would say more post the act. If there was any comparison, it would happen then. But during, I was very surprised um, in a good way to find that I could just. And also, I guess for me, it felt very different because it was, you know, more casual and spontaneous and fun. It didn't feel like a relationship like my marriage had done. So it was sort of I sort of cut compartmentalized it I think in a different sort of section of my sexual brain yes because you can it's interesting you you can do that I I, I I was surprised at how I couldn't do it as much as I thought I could do uh, but I think I think that makes me a kind of um, well very genuinely monogamous I find I find juggling and dating more than one person quite uh, quite because of the option of dating apps gives you that freedom massively so. Uh, I, I find that quite. I can't be duplicitous, uh, but it, it's. But I have learnt to enjoy sex in a very different way with different people. You have to teach yourself that again. I mean, maybe it's. I don't know. I don't. I, you know, it's a. Also, gay men, you know, don't talk about sex. They have it on apps, and they talk about what they like, and what they don't like. I mean, I still can't work out which way the arrow is supposed to go, whether you're a top or a bottom. I still can't work it out. You know, so I, I, I passed. I passed my driving. <laughs> test very late in life uh, i think i'm going to pass my gay sex test but even later because I, I thought what is it am i top or bottom which arrow am i supposed to show i don't show any arrow i don't i don't know some of your listeners might be confused by that but it's really whether you're passive or whether you like penetration or whether you give it or whether you take it it's so graphic so you have so you but you put that on like your dating profile yeah. 
You have to. Well, you don't have to, but you can do it. It's on many, it's on many profiles. Yeah. So everything is unromanticized. Let's say everything is so brilliantly but brutally obvious that you then are living in a very different world. So what I mean about this Doctor Who time war, you know, uh, after a long marriage, you come out, you go, I need to learn new language. I need to learn new positions. I, 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 I'm judged differently. Uh, I'm older. I'm not wiser. I'm younger. I don't get it. Uh, so it's it's interesting. It's really it's really interesting. And and once you embrace the new, once you embrace that, you go well. Great. I'm experiencing it. I'm not shutting down. I'm opening up. You know. That's what I found kind of at the time confusing, but now I'm like, wow, Was it, it helped me get back to myself again because I had to learn what new me is like, you know, because when I met my ex, I was I just out of university and drama school and then I was with him, you know, for the whole of my 20s. So now I'm in my 30s and I've, you know, experienced a lot more sex, yes, in my marriage, but just, you know, generally. Um, and then it's about finding out what you like again because you've been with one person yeah. for so long and you you have a sort of way of working yes. with them um, and an un you know an unspoken agreement of they know you, you know like how this. to well let's be blunt you know how to come quickly with your husband or your wife you know yeah. you just do yeah it's right you yeah, work I mean, it out you it's efficiency it out. <laughs> after years and years you're That's like fine. this is yeah. this is what does it That's and right. so new people with new you know new and different shaped body parts. You know, mm. what worked mm. in your marriage, if you tell someone to do exactly that, won't necessarily work, you know, with this new person. So I found it kind of an amazing process to work out what I liked again and like explore a little bit like sexually. And I feel like it helped me bring me back to me. Yeah, I think that's the that's the brilliant thing. And that's where uh, you learn to adapt and you enjoy the adaptation more than the original novel it's like oh the adaptation of this is a much better movie than the book and and that's what you need to hang on to all those that are going through it and coming out the other end or thinking about it you know there is life no matter what your age or whatever your preference there is there is life there and friends would always say to me don't let this define you you're going to find somebody but I thought well, I'm not it's not like I want to get married again it's not like I want to do that necessarily it's not what I'm out to do and get it right because statistically apparently if you've been divorced once you're going to be divorced again oh wow and somebody I was dating told me that who was also going through a divorce and I thought well, this is quite serious this is quite cute actually we're kind of physically all right and then he said and he started asking me about marriage and I thought hello you're a bit keen what's this about he just said well you know of course we'd be doomed anyway because we're more likely to get divorced <laughs> second time around than the first time around I thought well, okay we're not getting married anyway so that's that's that but it's it's a, but it's a it's a strange it's a strange thing and then you and then you kind of I think you we're all damaged, but you meet more damaged people the older you get as well. So, so then you do look to younger people that are less damaged, <laughs> and then you do become that daddy you don't want to be, and then you're stuck in this cycle of you know. Like, but I don't know. I I um, I, I think it, it, you can be happy again, and you can uh, find yourself. What you're talking about, you being you before, uh, is vitally important. We all hang on to that. Because uh, there's a reason why somebody wanted to marry us. And that hasn't changed. None of that changes. And there's a and, and somebody wants to marry you again for that very same reason. Whether you say yes or not is utterly your choice and how brilliant. But that's what we are. We don't actually change that much. Yeah, I really like that. I think sometimes when you're getting divorced, you can feel like it's worse than 
you know, some ages you're kind of shamed for being single and not in a relationship or not in a marriage. And then once you're divorced, you're like, oh my God, this is even worse than being single because I failed at marriage. But actually someone wanted to marry us. That's right. Yes. Yes. I wanted to ask you more actually about what helped you during that time. Was there anything that kind of friends did at that time? I'm just thinking if someone's listening and their friend is going through this, what's useful? Yeah, I mean, I actually, again, this is serious. I know this is supposed to be great and funny, and it is, and you are and brilliant. Actually, I went when it was over. I said, "This is going to kill me," and um, and I, I don't, it came from nowhere. And I said that it's going to kill me. And there were times when I really thought it was going to kill me, and there were times when I really thought about killing myself in a way that I thought this is going to happen. And very seriously, I mean, a lot of people feel like that and don't do it. And I'm one of those people. But that's not to say that it wasn't serious enough for friends to be concerned and check in on a daily basis. Uh, And to be fair to my ex, he did call a couple of people to say, watch him, just watch him, because he's vulnerable. And we know he shouldn't be fooled by it. And, uh, And so my great friend Emma was just wonderful on a daily basis as well. And I was sent podcasts and things about building yourself up and listening to other voices and laughing. You know, in crisis, in shock, we as humans know how to laugh. It's a release button. I laughed so much and I cried so much. As long as you're doing something that's expelling air pre-COVID, you know, without the mask, so that it absolutely is joyous. As long as you're feeling something, it's right. You're healing, be it upset, be it tears or, or, or laughter. Invariably the same thing. Um, I... Uh, I started doing voice notes. I started talking to myself. <laughs> Sorry. I started recording myself uh, on a daily basis or every other day where I would just talk absolute dark thoughts. Uh, and by doing it and by placing it, I could put it away. Uh, and it meant I could get on with the rest of the day. I'd got rid of that, those little gremlins in your head were then placed on an iPhone somewhere that I'll never listen to. I think I've got about 560 voice notes. Wow. Uh, and uh, and I, I suppose one day I might listen to them, some of them. Um, a lot of it is just the moment I switch on the button, I cry. And I can't get my words out. And then I switch off and then I don't cry. I mean, it's ridiculous. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an outlet. It's a digital outlet. Uh, it's I like think a diary. It is. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a diary for depressed divorcees. But we, honestly, it's such a lonely business. Divorce. It's so hideous, and because also invariably involves paperwork and stuff that is, as I say, it feels so alien. Uh, and you can get married so quickly, but divorce is so painfully long. You know, I, I, it's all wrong. It's absolutely all wrong. So so uh, there needs to be a place like Dignitas that you could go to, Divorcitas, where you could go to a little place, a little village. You go, I'm just going there for the weekend. I'm coming back and it's all sorted. And there we go. And, you know, and, that, and that's it. But you still live. Uh, why can't we do that? Why is it? Why is an entire... The next town on from Gretna Green <laughs> should be the divorce town. Absolutely. That is it. <laughs> Actually, that is a great idea. There's a business... There's a business there waiting to happen. Um, <laughs> do you, do you, just to wrap up, do you remember a time when you thought, you know, since the separation, when you thought, I'm going to be okay? This is all right. I do. Um, 
I do several times, but actually there was probably a very vivid moment where, and when I moved here where I am now, I'm talking from, it was a real shock. It was a real shock to me. I just thought, I, could, I didn't even look at anywhere else really to buy or to look or to live in. I just said yes to this. Like the first thing that opened its doors. Okay, I'll have it. And, uh, and, um, and there was one morning I woke up and I just, I had a dog. And there were people that just spoke to me with the dog. And I love the area. I love the spontaneity of the people that I spoke to. And I couldn't help but smile. I was just smiling. And I felt, God, if the only thing I ever marry again is my dog, the people that you meet that are dog lovers, the people that you meet that are just in this time around here are unique, wonderful characters. And we have moments together. And they made me smile. And I loved being on my own. I thought, gosh, actually, I, I am all right. I'm actually really good on my own. And uh, this makes me happy. This is simple stuff. This is beautiful stuff. And I walked and I thought, I belong here because I'm here. Nobody else is here other than the bloody dog. But that's it. Uh, I, and I thought, this is great. And just these sweet people that I don't need to know much about. There's no commitment to them. They're just dog walkers. Uh, but they're, you know, they're, they're sort of anonymous friends and a bit like dogs in a funny sort of way, anonymous friends. And they're just, that's it. It felt great. And I thought, great. I love it. And I've got this kitchen window where I can see out onto this little park opposite. And, uh, and I see people walk past and, and I don't know who they are. They're quite urban. It's not suburban area. It's pretty urban sort of. And it feels real. It feels real. I'm not living a type. I'm not living, I'm not living a thing. I'm not living a cliche. I'm not living a type of marriage with a type of husband. And I, I am living me. And the view outside is pretty good. What a wonderful place to finish. Where can people follow you online and find out more about you and the National Youth Theatre? So uh, we've got a fabulous website, www.nyt.org.uk. Uh, uh, I'm really crap at social media. I know I've got to get better at it. I am on Instagram. I've just started, uh, which is uh, Paul Roseby, originally titled Paul Roseby. Uh, and um, funny enough, during the first lockdown, I took loads of pictures of things that had been left on the ground. Um, dumped by just inanimate objects that have been dumped and I've yet to share them. I'm sort of going to collate them and do them at some point uh, as I, I, want to, I want to do a podcast called Dumped by a Druid, but isn't actually about divorce or anything. It's about something completely different. Well, you're very but, welcome about, to do one about, about divorce change. as well. It's not like I've cornered the market. <laughs> yes, no, no, no. I know you don't own divorce. You, well, you have. You have. I think you should. It's good. You deserve to. Uh, no, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so, uh, but yeah, you can follow on Insta or I don't do Twitter, as you know, I'm shit at getting back to you. Um, but I am there, Rose BP as well. Just, <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the 
podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.